All right, so let's take care of some housekeeping here. Friday, which is the Jays opener, uh, Blair and Barker will be on from 3 to 5. We'll be at the ballpark. The fan drive time with Ennis and Brunt will be at Sportsnet Grill from 5 to 7. So you can drop by, get autographs, get your picture taken. Brunt loves autographs. Loves them. He does. And if you got a book by Brunt, and everybody does because he's written like a bazillion of them, Bring it along and maybe he'll sign it. I love giving other people work to do. Isn't that great? Uh, We will be also, we being myself and Mr. Barker, will be doing Blue Jays talk following Friday's game, Saturday's game, and Sunday's game. You didn't know that, did you? Well, now you do. And uh, starting Monday, we will still be on 10 to 12, but we will also be available on 360. We'll be simulcast on TV, so... I guess I'm going to have to, you know. <laughs> Not wear that? Yeah. <laughs> you have to clean up a bit. Ah, uh, you look good. Well, I mean, there's this thing, right? Like, it's The idea is that we're not going to wear shirt shirt and ties. The idea is to kind of look, yeah, you, yeah, look a little younger kind of, you know. I'm not going to wear a shirt. Nobody wears a shirt and tie. Anybody wears a shirt and tie at 10 o'clock in the morning is probably trying to take money from you. So um, we're not going to be, you know, we'll be dressed casually, I guess is what I'm saying. So we don't have to be all gussied up. Every now and then, maybe we will. Let's move on, shall we? Lou Merloni joins us at 1130. We'll talk about the Boston Red Sox, the American League East race. We'll see, we'll see where Lou how Lou thinks this thing is going to is going to shake out. Shai Davidi joins us at eleven ten. Kevin, I, I want to go back to something the conversation we had with with Hunter Mentz, the Jays' assistant hitting coach and coordinator. And you know, I I, I asked the question about how many coaches there are now in this staff, and there's essentially there, there are between Guillermo and Dave Hudgens and. Hunter Mintz, there are, you know, there are three coaches that are sort of, if you want to, part mm-hmm. of the the hitting, the hitting think tank, if you want to call it that. Mm. Um, how would you as, how would you as a player handle having that much knowledge and that much technology available? And the, what I mean by that is, I think most people, there's a lot of stuff out there. And I think mo- the, the, the mindset of most athletes is I will take the stuff that works for me or applies to me and I'll pay attention to that. Uh, the other stuff, like I've always operated in assumption. If you've got to sell me hard in something, if it's taking you a half an hour to sell me in something, it's probably, I probably don't need it. Yeah. So put yourself in that position. You're Kevin Barker. You're in the majors. Yeah. And you got access to all this stuff. What are you, how are you going to about, go about using it so you don't just, you know, your head just yeah. doesn't explode? Yeah, I think it's about where you're at in your career. You know, if, if I'm a rookie, I'm coming up, I'm getting all three voices 
if I'm established, I'm Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and I'm, I'm supposed to be what he's supposed to be, you know, it's very specific on the guy that you're going to talk to when it's going bad. That's the most of the conversations. Is. It's, it's The conversations a lot of the times aren't when you're going good and everything's coming off the bat the way it's supposed to and you're taking the pitch that you're supposed to be taking. It's when you're going bad. Who, you, who are you going to have the conversation with? And it's not going to be all three of them. It'll be it'll be one of them that you trust that will that speaks your language and can walk you off the plank enough that you know will get you back on track and 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 get you back to where you you know you're hammering baseballs and and you're taking that strike to ball. Yeah, they they talk about that all the time. That's a big deal. It's it's at the big league level mechanically. Most of these guys know where they're at mechanically. They're not going to make giant moves. Lourdes didn't go up and and start spreading out and you know, is dropping his hands. No, he moved off the plate a little. And and a little might mean a half inch, could mm-hmm. mean an inch, could mean, you know, in between that. It's not it's not a giant move. It's just to make the ball look differently when it's crossing the plate. That that's the whole point when you're moving on the plate. So you can take that pitch that you're supposed to be taking and I'm sure he has the guy. I'm sure it's you know, this team I think polices themselves a lot. Like, they have a lot of conversations within because they came up together. Most of these guys know what it looks like when they're good and know what it looks like when they're bad. And they can walk up, you know, Vladdy can walk up to Oscar and go, hey, why why am I doing this? And Teo would probably say this, that, and the other. And that's... That's always good to have when you have a bunch of teammates that are similar, that are trying to do the same things and can relate to each other and have conversations back and forth. But there are coaches mm-hmm. that they're going to walk up that they trust that is spewing it the right way and, and you know, are, are going to tell them what they sometimes don't want to hear and a lot of times what they do want to hear. I, Hunter Mintz made an, an interesting point that I hadn't really thought of about the consistency of of coaching in this organization and how important it is that – it's not just a matter of the same messages being dispensed at different levels, but how important it can be for a player who has had this guy as a single A hitting coach. Then he goes up to double A and the minor league hitting coordinator, the guy that was working with him a little bit in single, he's also at double A. And then it's as somebody who moved up and down through organizations, was there ever a time Kevin, where you just, like this is like the this is like the ninth this is like the ninth different hitting coach I've had in this organization. Right, talk to me, you know, and and yeah, Norman doesn't work that way. You're you're going to have in the minor, at the minor league level, you'll have your guy, whoever that guy is, going with you to your league. You'll have that guy having the conversation because it's too much. Young guys, you can you can overwhelm them, and most of them don't know how to take it, listen to it, let it go out the other side, and move on to the guy that they actually trust. Most guys don't know how to do when, that. When you were guy, when you were in the Brewers organization, and you and and you were you were a highly touted prospect. Was there a guy that you you talked to, whether you're yeah, single Jeff, A, double A, triple A? It was Jeff Jenkins. The, the, okay, but he, that's interesting. Yeah, he was a player. Like we, everybody knows who Jeff Jenkins is, yeah. but he was similar to me. Like I like when he struggled, I sort of struggled doing the same kind of things that he was doing. So even when Weren't he was in the majors, time, wasn't starting on time, wasn't getting off your backside. Okay. You know, you had a little bit more weight uh, on the outside of your knee instead of the, on the inside of your knee. Like the, the, it was similar conversations. I could relate when he was talking to me about what he was doing. Oh yeah, I was doing the same exact kind of so thing. Would so would you keep in contact with him when I you were in the in majors Arizona and he's in, in the offseason? That's why I worked uh, out okay. with him. So that that's uh, you know we soft tossed together. We we had we. we 
face live pitching together like it was a it was a, we went to Arizona Fall League together mm-hmm. like it was a process. Obviously, he had a better big league career than I did, but it's you, you got to. There's a lot of trust there. There's a. I wasn't good enough early in my career to take it, listen to the lips moving, and not listen to what he was saying. Like just okay, you're saying it. I whatever you think, I'm gonna hear it, and then I'm just not gonna apply it because it doesn't apply to me. I just don't get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like Rod Carew would tell me things, and it looked like his head was spinning around in fifty circles. It didn't work for me. Yeah. Obviously, it's worked for a bunch of people. That. That's just the way it is, and I didn't know how because it's Rod Carew yep. to say, you know what? That just that's that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Paul, Paul Quantrill's great lined us about every kid, every every player at some point, player or pitcher has to learn how to say "go bleep yourself" yeah. to somebody who had how a major do you do league that career. Rod Carew, you can't. Yeah, you don't. You, you don't do that. No. So you, you just it it didn't work for me. Again, I take full credit for everything that happened in my career, but you have to get. Okay at that, but I think what the Blue Jays are trying to do is it's the same throughout their entire organization. Mm-hmm. You're not teaching something different at A ball that you're teaching in AAA. It's all the same thing. Whatever that approach is, whatever that plan is, whatever you're trying to do, it's a it's a simplified approach. And now you analytically try and figure out little things to make that individual player that much better. So you simplify it. You don't think you don't have to overthink it anymore. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's just so. I mean, I, I, as you're talking, I'm shaking my head because going back, going back to when I started covering baseball, it, 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 I, it's just so different. it really. I is. can't tell you how many times I went to winter ball and spent hours and hours and hours in a cage doing useless things, thing that wasn't going to work for me. And if I'd had analytics, somebody to tell me that yeah. bat planes and and the you know the, my lower half, what's it doing, and why is it doing this and I should be doing this would yeah. make it better. You, you wouldn't have to worry about doing all the bad stuff, and maybe it would have made me a better hitter quicker. Yeah, it's I, I do I do find myself wondering about that. How many uh, h- how many guys missed out on big careers just because you know because there wasn't the technology, and how many guys if they had uh, had the stuff available now back then? Eh, it's just something I, it's something you always think about. Yeah, Yeah, Matt Chapman struck out 200 times. You think he's going to strike out 200 times? He's got all this stuff that's going to tell him why. And, you know, I'm sure it had something to do with his injury, and he was trying to force that, but I'm sure it's not going to hurt. I referenced Shai Davidi's article on uh, the Jays' hitting strategy and uh, the, uh, you know, taking Dave Hudgens and making him, uh, giving him the title of hitting strategist. The article was, it's available on sportsnet.ca. It was written on March 21st. It really got my attention. We'll bring Shai Davidi on. Shai, thanks for joining Kevin and myself. We've got a lot to get to, but I want to reference your article because I spoke today, or to, we spoke to Hunter Mintz about it, and yeah, going back and looking at this team's, the, the stats, this group has put together over the past three years you can see that there has been a change hasn't there in this in this organization there's been a change in the way guys are approaching uh things there's been a change in the in the results they've gotten but this seems to take it a step further the stuff that hunter mintz and 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 dave hudgens are talking about the the actual the strategic element of hitting yeah i mean it's really interesting and great test case would be to look at Teoscar Hernandez, right? Because he, you think about him during that 
2019 season, and it's it's crazy that it fe- that it's still relatively recent. But remember just how he was just you know so vulnerable to that you know breaking ball is seemingly in the you know the opposite batter's box that he would just wave over with two strikes, and it seemed that he started every at bat 0-2, and he consciously transformed himself. And he said, like, I'm go- I've got to make, give myself the chance to make better swing decisions, right? And that was, that was not just sort of like thinking, all right, I'm going to swing only at strikes because it's so easy to say that. But, you know, I think he did this primarily, but the Jays helped him with a framework. It said, these are the types of things that you have to do to put yourself in position to make better swing decisions, whether it be, you know, the, the you know, the whole kind of like, you know, staying behind the ball and, you know, letting the ball travel, which is, you know, a phrase that is sort of counterintuitive. It's more about just, you know, starting early so that your process is going to be more on time with uh, with the baseball when it's getting to the point where you have to make a swing decision. Uh, all these little processes that, you know, they, they gave him frameworks and they set up reward structures, not just for him, but across the organization. Uh, to the point where, you know, Teoscar Hernandez made it one of his goals to sort of be in the top three consistently for Blue Jays players uh, among swing decisions. And so, you know, the the, the creation of a, a structure, a framework through which to do that uh, has really been transformative for, for some hitters. Uh, it's not going to be universal. It's not going to work for everyone. Uh, but clearly, you know, they're doing it up and down the organization uh, and, you know, that's certainly helping them be a more efficient offensive club. When you think about how they had, you know, the most homers and the least strikeouts in baseball last year, which is a pretty good combination. Shot, do you think it's sometimes too much? Have you ever heard a player go, man, that's just, that's, that's information overload? Yeah, all the time. And this is where, this is where your coach, your coaching staff really makes the difference, right? They have to know how you communicate, how to communicate with, with each player. And, and, you know, Hudgens and, you know, Guillermo Martinez and, and Hunter Mance, you know, they, they've spent the time, right? And they say at certain point, and, and, and Barker, I'm sure you experienced this at point, like, this is too much. I need more of this. I need less of that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's up to the coaching staff to adapt to the players. And, you know, one of the player development mindsets uh, for the organization is, you know, it, you know, creating individual plans for individual needs. So, you know, there may be sort of overriding philosophies, and one of those overriding philosophies is, you know, making, you know, good, good swing decisions. Excuse me, good swing decisions, uh, which you know is, is obvious. But, you know, how you translate that to, to different players needs to be individual uh, based on their tolerances and their preferences. Shai, you spent a lot of time around the team in spring training. Uh, the Jays are getting a lot of love from a lot of national national writers in terms of you know, their picks for the American League East title, World Series, things of that nature. Vladdy, Vladdy's getting a lot of love for MVP. Some people have got Jose Barrios the candidate for Cy Young, all, all, all this stuff. What could go wrong <laughs> this year? Well, I mean, no, no, this franchise needs only to look back to 2013, right, for what could go mm-hmm. wrong. But, and look, this, they're completely different scenarios, right? You had uh, a lot of players who were sort of injury risks even at that point that 
the Blue Jays were counting on to stay healthy. There was very minimal organizational depth behind it, you know, to the point where, you know, you have to start the Ming Wongs of the world uh, in order to, you know, get through a season, you know, when Minonori Kawasaki ends up becoming one of your most important players, you know, things have really gone awry, you know, and, and you know, that would be the, the equivalent would be if uh, Gosuke Kato ends up being, you know, a, a key contributor to the 2022 club. Mm-hmm. So, I just think that the Blue Jays are deep enough now that they can survive, you know, five, six, seven things going wrong and still be competitive because some things are going to go wrong. Somebody's going to underperform. So things that could go wrong, I mean, maybe Kevin Gosman's transition is a little bit more difficult and, you know, he isn't able to pitch in quite the same way. Maybe, you know, uh, Kikuchi is the second half guy, not the first half guy. Uh, you know, maybe the bullpen ends up not being uh, not being deep enough, and that you know Jordan Romano, you know something something happens to him, and then you don't have uh, a reliable closer. Uh, you know, offensively, maybe George Springer gets hurt, and you're scrambling to uh, fill center field for a significant amount of time. Like you know, th- there are lots of ways that this thing can go wrong. It's always always the case. I just think that the Blue Jays in most of those scenarios have some answers that can help over some of that gap. Uh, they're not as vulnerable as some of the other teams they've had in previous years, uh, just because their 40 man roster is a lot deeper than it's been in a long time. Do you think they feel comfortable enough in Trevor Richards to use him in the ninth inning or in April, say in April? I mean, potentially, I, I think that if they didn't have Jordan Romano, that you'd probably see a lot of mixing and matching based on, uh, who's coming up and who's the pitcher who best suits them, right? Um, you know, if, if David Phelps is anything like he was in April, last April before he got hurt, you know, that that's a pretty good option that comes to mind. You know, Tim Meza had his moments last year where he looked like someone who could do it. You know, is, is Julian Merriweather going to emerge, right? Uh, you know, I think that it, there, there, be, there would be a lot of potential options, uh, but Trevor Richards clearly showed that he could get important outs and leverage last year uh, and, and is someone that earned a lot of trust in that role. Shai, I know you wrote about this a, a couple of times during the offseason, but here we are. We're you know, 24 hours away from opening day. Um, we don't have any, any real clarity on whether Vladdy or Bo are close to or have had any discussions, serious discussions with the organization about, about contract you know, multi-year contracts. And I don't want to turn this into a constant theme this year, but I, look, I'll be honest with you. I thought that by now, one of those two guys would be locked up to a five, six, or seven-year deal. I just did. Yeah, maybe I'm reading the tea leaves wrong, but I thought it was going to happen. Any concern about that at all on your part? Uh, no, I would say this. I think it's safe to assume that the Blue Jays have either formally or informally explore that at some point, right? Yeah. That at every time there's uh, some sort of negotiation, and certainly with Bo, there would have been the renewal this year. With Vladdy, it would have been his first time through arbitration. You know, those are natural touch points. I think that those kinds of discussions would happen with every player who uh, is of that importance to the franchise. And I think that happens across baseball. It's not unique to the Jays. So we'll start with that. The, the the next step is that assume that you know they just view the the outlook a lot differently. 
And I think that if we were closer to their free agency, Mm. then it, it would become much more of an urgent issue. The only difference right now is that, look, the longer the, the Blue Jays wait, the more expensive it's likelier to be, right? If, we, if Assuming that they will proceed on the trajectory that they're on and continue to be the type of players that they've shown to be thus far, you know, the, you know, you know they're going to be looking at Tatis and beyond. And if you're, you know, the Blue Jays, you're probably looking at this and saying, well, you know, we're not the Cleveland Indians or the Minnesota Twins. We don't have to look at this and say, well, this is our one opportunity. We can't let them get, uh, we can't let them get to free agency. We have to trade them and turn them into something. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays are a team in a big market uh, and have been spending uh, uh, commensurate to that market in recent years. Uh, so, you know, they can, they can let the process play out and give, give them the free agent contract when they get to free agency if, if there's no extension to be had in advance. So I, I can understand sort of the desire to, to lock them up. It makes sense uh, because you're, you're going to want the financial efficiency. But I also think it's tough with those two players because either one of them, yeah, well, they're both uber-confident, rightly so, because of their talent and ability, but they don't need... Um, they don't need to, because they've, they've already made some money, signing bonuses, uh, you know, they come from uh, successful families that uh, have had, you know, fathers who have had tremendous careers. You know, they, there may not be the economic imperative to take a discount, which is usually what you need to do to get one of those extensions done, like some other players. Why, why do you think we, we never really have the con- the, the contract conversation about Teoscar? And what do you think the organization thinks of him? Uh, well, I mean, clearly, Oscar Hernandez has shown himself to be an all-star deserving of it. Uh, I think right now, if you're, if, you know, a lot of the money has sort of been spent. And then Oscar Hernandez becomes a question, is is he a part of your sort of your next group of big signings or not, right? You know, you've got him for two more years. And end of the 23 season, at that point, he'll be eligible for agency. The Blue Jays have a lot of money coming off the books at that point. So they've got a bit of a, a question to decide for themselves. Like, are they keeping payrolls at sort of the current levels? Are they up a little bit higher? You know, the, in theory, the renovation to the dome should be done then, so they should have additional revenue streams in place. Uh, I think there's sort of a, a lot of balls in the air that are raising some questions about where the Blue Jays are going beyond 23. And not in terms of are they going to scale back, but it's just, you know, are they staying on the, on the current trajectory or are they raising their spending beyond that? I think that's the, the conversation that's to be determined. Uh, and Teoscar Hernandez, because of his timeline, falls into that. And he's, while he's obviously a, a tremendously important player, I'm wondering if the, the Blue Jays are, are looking at that saying, well, you know, if, are we, do we want to say, you know, spend $150 million to extend him or are we reallocating in some other ways? Shai, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. We shall, uh, we'll see you down at the park. Yeah, Thanks, no problem. Talk. Take care, guys. Take care. That's Shai DeViti, MLB insider with Sportsnet. And yeah, that was a great, that was a great question, Kevin. Uh, 
And we're not gonna we're not gonna harp on the contracts all year, but you, you do have to talk about it. And I think, as I said, you can have an you can have an intelligent, non emotional discussion about it. Uh, it. It's good that these guys are are gonna get a lot of money because that means they're playing well. Yeah, but it does. Yeah, you know, th- there are some there are some similarities between the Jays and the Maple Leafs and that the Maple Leafs have got, you know, they've got Austin Matthews, they've got Mitch Marner, and they've got John Tavares there as well, but they've got that kind of that, that group. And you want to win at some point when you've got players like that, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I, and it's, it's a lot easier. Let's put it this way. If the Jays win a couple of world series in the next five years or one world series in the next three years or whatever, and, and they have to make a call on one of these guys. They say, hey, we can only sign one of these guys. It's a hell of a lot easier to do it when you're the hmm. team that's won a title with it yeah. as opposed to a team that has not won a title. And now you're cutting ties with, with players that your, your fans have really come to, uh, you know, have really come to know and love. So, uh, yeah, it is. It, it's I said, it's, I, is it something to worry about? <laughs> Hell no. Is this something in the back of your mind? I think it has to be. It has to be. I'm sure they've already thought about it. Me just looking at that, what what they would demand money-wise, I just don't see there's any way you can pay all three of them. I mean, will will Teoscar get more than Jose Ramirez just got? Five-year, $124 Somewhere Mm -hmm. around there. You know what Vladdy's going to get? Bo's going to get a little bit more than that. Can you pay all three of them? You're already committed to Springer and and, and Brios. No, No complaints about that. Anyhow. Uh, we don't have to worry about that for a couple of years. And a lot of things can happen in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on the opener. Uh, we mentioned that the uh, couple of games have already been rained out. Uh, there's a little bit of inclement weather on the, the East Coast. Uh, but this is opening day. I believe in seven other jurisdictions. Tomorrow, the Jays will open against the Texas Rangers. We'll be down at the ballpark at the Rogers Center. 707 is the first pitch. Lots of love nationally for the Blue Jays. Lots of folks predicting they're going to win the division. Almost everybody predicting they're going to be in the playoffs. Some people like them to win the league. Some folks have them winning the World Series. I look at the American League East, and I think you're going to have four teams out of this division make the playoffs. Lou Merlone, he's a former major leaguer. He's co-host of Merlone and Foria. He'll join us next. We'll take a deep dive into the Boston Red Sox. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Ailish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, probably shouldn't have pulled that particular plug there. I'm just creating chaos here in the uh, studio by unplugging the microphone. It's Blair and Barker, the podcast, the show, the TV show on Monday. That's good. My mom's going to get the watches. Nice. Yeah. How's your mom? Good. Nice. Good. My dad's mad at me. Well, your dad's always mad at me. <laughs> no, he's mad at me. He's mad at me. He's not going to let me come to 
Christmas. Because <laughs> he didn't pick the Braves. Because I didn't pick the Braves. <laughs> uh, listen, I, well, maybe he, he can invite me because I've got the Braves winning the World Series. So, so Mr. Barker, My you can, can you cook. Can, what? Yeah, I know that. I know that. Yeah. Maybe I'll learn how to hunt, too. Mm. I don't think I'd be good at that. I don't, th- I, don't, I don't really scream outdoorsman, do I? Well, you scream. Yeah. yeah. But it's... Yeah. No, you don't. You couldn't see me in a blind? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Like a duck thing? Isn't that, what that, that, isn't that where you hide to shoot ducks? A blind? A honey blind or something like that? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that would work with me. You know, in our high school, we did have rifle club. What did you do in it? That's 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 how old I am. It was a high school in, in rural Manitoba's rifle club. You what, learned what did you, you learned do? how to shoot. Did you? No, are you kidding me? I was scared. No, I didn't I didn't take rifle club, but rifle club was rifle club was a it was a thing. A lot of a lot of dudes did. A lot of people I shouldn't say a lot of dudes. A lot of the uh, girls in high school did too. Because mm-hmm. it's a rural, you know, small town, three thousand people. Sure. Lots of folks hunted. Mm. Anyhow, rifle club. Wonder what would happen now if you showed up at a school and said, as a teacher, I got a great idea. I got a club I want to form. I don't probably think wouldn't teach there long. <laughs> I don't think you would. Uh, let's bring in Lou Merloni, former major league infielder. He's co-host of Merloni and Fourier. Mr. Maloney, thank you so much for joining us. Um, happy opening day. Happy New Year, even though I, I know that the Red Sox-Yankees game has been rained out. Uh, how's, the, how's the American League East going to turn out this year? Because I got four teams from this division going to the playoffs. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, and I think a lot of people kind of feel the same way. I feel like it very easily could happen. I mean, remember last year, if you had 16s, all four would have made it anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, I expect it to be like that. I think there's a couple teams maybe out west that can challenge, you know, maybe the Red Sox and, and maybe the Yankees, who I think kind of like 3-4 in that division. And, um, and there's always somebody. But I, I would expect maybe a Seattle or, or an Anaheim to kind of challenge for that spot. It could very easily happen. Biggest concern for the Red Sox going into the season is what? Um, pitching. And I say that in general, but I would say bullpen probably more than anything. Um, back end of the bullpen, like the arms, uh, I think that they, they, they missed on a couple or just there's a couple of arms I think they could have solidified it with. They want to use Whitlock in kind of like a multi-inning role and hope that Barnes finds his groove again. But the way he finished last year, he's been 92-93 down in camp, which isn't going to cut it. Hmm. So I think right now bullpen uh, is a concern. But the reason why I say staff is because I think the, I think the rotation is a concern as well. Pitching is, pitching is a problem. Yeah, looking at that that rotation, I mean, James Paxton is 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 saying that you know he he hopes that he can be pitching for the Red Sox by June. We know that Chris, that Chris Sale is going to start the year on the IL. How do they how do they keep it together for those you know for for the the first six weeks or so while while Sale gets gets healthy? I mean, Paxton to me, Lou, I don't know how you to, to me Paxton's a bonus. If you get a real good year out of Paxton, th- that's a bonus. But man, you need Chris Sale. Yeah, and, you know, the funny thing with Paxton is that, like, I actually thought when they signed him, this was going to be for 2023. And I'm like, that's a good sign. Let the guy rehab mm-hmm. for you. Maybe get something in September. But now uh, he's he, he legitimately could be ready in July. I mean, as much as I like this rotation, you had Paxton and Sale with Evaldi and Pavetta and Hauk. Now I feel like it's a great rotation if everybody's healthy, of course. But the biggest concern is what you said. How do you get there? 
like the month of April, it's going to be New York, Toronto, Tampa, Toronto, Tampa. Like that's how they're starting the year off. And, you know, I know you can't win it in April, but you can lose it. You know, you could be so far behind in this division, you got some serious problems. Michael Walker, to me, should be a long guy, two or three inning bulk guy out of the bullpen. You know, um, Tanner Howe could probably be a long guy out of the bullpen, which those guys would have been extremely valuable. But with the injuries and the lack of a trade of going out and getting another starter, they are going to scramble and they're going to look at their bats and say, hey, go put up 10 a game and just kind of keep us where we need to be. De- defensively, are they okay? You know, left side of the infield, Bogarts, Devers, not very good. Uh, was that a giant concern or do you think offensively they're so good there that they'll, that'll you know, sort of eliminate their, their defensive woes? You know, I, I know I, I'm a defensive guy. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think it matters. And I think that when you talk about Devers and Bogarts, we're doing this now with these contracts. And I'm like, you want to be a $300 million player, you better play the other side of the field as well. Neither one of them are great at it. You know, um, I think in the second base, the story would be outstanding. I think center field, right field, you know, Bradley Dia platooning with Kike, I think would be very good. Defensive, I think they're going to be good. But, you know, it's, it's two different issues at shortstop. Shortstop, Bogey catches everything hit at him. So he's really good, and that's extremely valuable. You know, so he's not awful. You know, he's, he's still a good shortstop. It's just that he lacks range. He doesn't turn hits into outs. You know, he doesn't get the ball in the hole, get you out of an inning with two outs. Instead, next thing you know, it's a three-run bomb, and now you give up three. Everyone's mad at the pitcher, but the play in the hole should have been made. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Rafi Devers is different because Rafi Devers makes errors right at you. So you actually see them. So he's got to... You know, he's got to improve, be more consistent defensively at third. Bogart's range-wise, I don't know if it changes at this point. So there's, to me, there's still concerns on the left side of the infield. But other than that, they're going to be pretty good defensively. Is, is Devers' contract going to be a distraction to him or to the team? Well, <laughs> the problem with this team is that you've got Devers' ex- extension. You know, Bogey's a uh, free agent at the end of the year. J.D.'s a free agent at the end of the year. Evaldi's a free agent at the end of the year. K.K.'s a free agent at the end of the year. Vasquez is a free agent at the end of the year. So you talk about distractions for everybody, right? Um, Devers is an interesting one. People just, they want to sign him. They want to sign him. But to me, am I signing him as a third baseman, a first baseman, or a D.H.? You know, and, and there's different values to that. You can say, well, just give him $30 million. The dude rakes, which I might say yes to. I like to know where he's going to play. I know he he recently turned down an offer. I guess that was better than Jose Ramirez got in Cleveland. And quite frankly, I think Jose Ramirez is a better all-around player, you know, than Devers. So we'll see what happens there. What do you think a good year offensively for Trevor Story is? If he can give me 265 with 27 to 30 home runs and that and just play uh, Gold Glove second base. I think you take it all day long. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a 300 hitter. You know, I don't know. We'll see, right? Like at Fenway Park, good pull side, power, different league. I know they play more in a league now, but you know, you're facing different arms. You're trying to prove yourself. First organization you've moved. Sometimes you put a little extra pressure on yourself to prove that you're worth it. Um, but still, I expect him 265 to 280, and hopefully pop 25 to 30. Give me 20 bags, be athletic, and give me gold glove second. I'm good. You, you talked about the bullpen, uh, bullpen, Lou. What happened to Matt Barnes? You know, a guy going from pitching in high leverage situations to, to being left off the roster. And you talked about he was throwing 92-93 in, in, yeah. in, in spring. Is, is this just a guy, he's 31 years old. Is it? Is he just lost it? Yeah, and we'll see. I say this is a guy that pretty much April, May, June, and July, he's always really good. He's got like a career eight ERA in August. Oof. 
So I, so I don't know if that comes down to usage or what. I'll say this. Last year, the spin rate, I know this is a big thing, was the exact same after the, you know, the crackdown than it was before. Because a lot of people wanted to point the spin rate, but the data really didn't show that. He, he, last year he turned into a different guy because they convinced him with all the numbers that if you just you know, challenge guys with your heat or first pitch, look how much more successful you can be. And he saw results early. But then as the season worn down, that velocity went from, like say, 97 to 95, and a couple balls got hit a little bit. I think Vladdy might have hit one off of him. Mm-hmm. And that can kind of ruin your psyche. You can kind of sit there and say, hold on. I know I've been you know, aggressive all year long and challenging guys, but I can't do that anymore. Then you go back to the Matt Barnes that nibbles, that falls behind, that gets predictable with his curveball. And that's kind of the pattern that he fell into. But 92-93, that ain't going to survive for him. He's going to be 95-97. Other than Chris Sale, other than Nathan Avaldi, is there one guy in that rotation that you're honing in on that you think, okay, this guy needs to take the next step forward? It's Tanner Houck. I mean, you know, we wonder if he's a, if he's a one-time-through-the-order guy because he is, I mean, he is filthy. He's mm-hmm. Chris Sale from the right side. I mean, that sinker slider is filth. The issue is that split. And last year, I'll tell you, the usage went up. The look of the pitch went up. Um, you know, as far as, like, what it should be doing consistently, diving down the way to lefties because he needs something for lefties. You know, Alex kind of stayed away from him against that Houston series in ALCS because all these lefties, he didn't want to bring them in. He got hit a little bit. So he's the guy. Show me you can be a starter in this league. Show me you're not a 2 3 inning guy out of the bullpen one time through to give him a different look and get the hell out, right? So he's the guy that needs to step up with that third pitch, to show the lefties to be able to get those guys out. You'll probably see a lot of them, I would imagine, uh, up there, especially with right here in the lineup. I know Kevin asked you about a good year for Trevor Story. What would be a good year for Bobby Delbeck? Well, I, he's, this is going to be an interesting one here because, you know, he just, he just punches out left and right, right? Two strikes, he's, he's an automatic out. And in spring training, he, he got rid of the stride with two strikes. You know, he got wider, he got lower a little bit, and now he's just sort of seeing the ball and reacting. He, he cut the strikes down to get over 300 with two-strike counts. So I'm curious to see how that kind of translates into the season. But this, this is a guy, we, in August, uh, after that deadline of July, it was like a different, different dude in August. I mean, it was like one of the best hitters in baseball. So he's a sneaky one that could be in that same area as Trevor Story. A sneaky guy that could be 265 but could hit 30, 30 plus. That's why I say this lineup is going to be off the charts. I don't know if they're going to assemble it in another couple of years with some of the guys they may lose. So I'm going to enjoy it this year. Alex Cora, early in the season, what do you think some big challenges is for him? I think working the rotation like a lot of managers, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, who have shortened spring training, uh, you know, where the starters, they really tried to get those guys six innings, but they were so limited that now bullpen guys didn't, weren't getting their innings. And they were in the backfield trying to play triple-A games or, you know, live. So I think the managing the pitching, four innings gets you out, who's next. I think that's going to be difficult for a lot of managers in the month of April. But it's, it's yeah, it's finding the matchups with the righties and, and, and the pitching staff. And I think whenever you do that, if it doesn't go well, the manager never looks good. <laughs> but we'll see. Lou, really good of you to do this, man. Thanks so much. Have a great season. Thanks, Lou. Hey. Hey, anytime, man. Good luck to you guys. Talk to you again. You too. Absolutely. Lou Merloni joining us uh, on Blair and Barker. He is former Major League Infielder, co-host of Merloni and Fourier. And uh, Red Sox, their game has rained out today against the Yankees. They will go tomorrow. Hey, you know what time it is, Barker? What time is it? Barker's Backleg Bits. De lado, Kevin Baker. 
El envío saca batazo de fly profundo al bosque derecho, cuadrangular bestial para Kevin Baker. We said Parker's bits, not Baker. My goodness, Parker just airmailed that thing. It's time for Barker's back leg bits. Yes, it is. It is time for Barker's back leg bits. And what this is, is a segment where you get to ask Barker questions. You can DM me. My Twitter handle is SNJeffBlair. And, uh, well, we'll pick, pick questions for Barker every day. And then Barker can answer it and I'll correct him. No, that's not generally not, generally not the way it works. Uh, I just thinking before you get to this, just thinking of something Lou, Lou Merloni said about, about, uh, Rafael Devers, uh, that I hadn't thought of. We talked about before he he gives him a, that extension. I need to know where he's going to be playing down the road. And I hadn't I hadn't thought of that, but that that has to be a factor, right? You're not going to pay Rafael Devers a ton of money to DH if you're going to be a three hundred million dollar player or whatever the hell it is. You, you got to catch and throw, they right? You can play first base. You're 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 paying him three hundred million dollars to carry your team offensively. Are you really doing it to to carry your team on both sides of the ball? Not for me. And then, uh, there's no perfect player. He's far from that. But he's an excellent, outstanding hitter who, who is, you know, you could a- almost argue that he's sort of like Bo Bichette. We, we haven't seen the best from him yet. And that's sort of scary if you're in the American League East. But for me, he's a first baseman. He's a first baseman in the making. Lou said it about the ball hit right at you. When, when you're not very good at the ball hit right at you at the big league level and you've been in the big leagues for a couple of years and you're still not good at it, how do you get better at that? You're probably not going to get better at that. So I would think they already know what that is, and it just sounds to me like the num- they're so far apart on the number that who knows how that's going to shake out. But, man, offensively, can, can you get any better from the left side, to hit, especially hitting in that park? Yeah, this is a, this is a question from Simon Massey, and I, I, I saw this question a little earlier, and, uh, man, I should, have, I should have asked you it when, when we were in spring training, but, but, it, but it's, it's, it's good. Um, from Simon Massey, greetings. He said, I'd like for you... I want you to tell me who you think. He's talking about you. The highest risk risk for injury is on the Blue Jays staff. And he's talking about, you know, he's talking about about pitching, uh, not necessarily a position player. But is there, you know, not to get all doom and gloom here, but is there is there a pitcher that you that you you have worries about? Yeah, Jordan Romano is one of them. The way he throws across his body, I know he's worked on a little bit. He's he's a little bit more direct to his target, but he's still a crossfire guy that throws a bazillion miles an hour. You know, we we know sooner or later something's going to happen. Your body just can't take as hard as he throws. So he would be the first guy. Julian Merriweather thrown in there a little bit too. Uh, you know, out of the starting rotation, look, most of the guys that are in this rotation have been around long enough, and they understand mechanically what it takes to take the ball every five days. So so who who would that exactly be? Do you worry about Barrios? Not really, right? He's mechanically sound enough. Uh, I like his arm angle. You know, he's he's a little sidearm, which takes a little bit of pressure off the shoulder, the elbow, the tricep. Uh, I like that. I know he's a mm-hmm. heavy slider guy, but anybody else in the rotation? Not really. Like Ryu is, you know, if he stays in, in somewhat decent shape, you would think arm speed is a big deal for him. I don't. I don't think injury wise that that would catch up to him. I know he's a, little, a year older, but I just think rotation. You're okay. Bullpen wise, it's the obvious guys. Jordan Romano is one of the guys 
Uh, you know, Jimmy Garcia, do we know him enough? I know he's he looked to me like he's got an idea. He's got a clue out there. He knows what it takes to, to take the ball whenever he's asked to take the ball. For me, the one guy that stands out is Jordan Romano. Can Jordan Romano give you 35 to 42 saves? Somewhere in that range. For me, it's gonna he's going to have to. For, for them to, to make the playoffs and go deep in the playoffs. So I think he's the one guy that you, you really have to hone in and, and think mechanically, can he consistently do that at the velocity he's doing it at? Sticking uh, on that line and pitching, uh, UConn Gold 454 wants to know what your thoughts are on Trent Thornton. He's a little surprised, a little disappointed that Trent Thornton uh, made the team. Yeah, I know. He's, I mean, he's, he's, Nate he's, Pearson, he's the last if, guy. If, but. if Nate Pearson's healthy, doesn't have motto. Uh, Trent Thornton's not on the team. I, I, I think they like him. He's simplified it. He's he's healthy. Looks like he's throwing harder. Now, do you want to overuse him? Absolutely not. This, again, puts more pressure on Charlie to put him in the right spot. He's a bridge guy. He's the guy in April. That's why he's on the team that can get it to the highest leverage guys, the Richards, you know, the, the Mazes. We all know who those guys are. But you don't want to overuse him. You don't want to use him back-to-back against the same team. You know, he's got a decent breaking ball. He throws hard. He does it with some, with some, uh, you know, a, a funky all around everything that he does. I don't like him, but what other option do they have? Give me another name. And if you're, if you think your name's better when it ain't Nate Pearson, I just think right now that's the guy. Yeah, no, I, I, I I'm with you. I mean, I, I think it was simply, it was simply a matter with a lot of these bullpen spots of. Who won? Who won? Who 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 won the job? Who took advantage of the situation? Taylor Saucedo. We talked about. It. He clearly won a job, and Trent Thornton did enough along with Nate Pearson's mono, yep. to earn a spot on the uh, uh, for, on the team. For me, Trent Thornton is the guy. Say Ryu goes two and a third, he's going to come in. If if Kikuchi goes three and a third, he's the guy that's going to come in. He ain't coming in in the seventh inning with a one run lead. He ain't getting the ball. Then. Well, and I, and I think. You're not going to burn Ross Stripling in a situation like that either, are you? No. Well, they're going to a six-man rotation yeah. sometime in April. Yeah. And they're going to do that, and Stripling's getting the ball. That's why you never saw him in a real spring training game. You saw mm-hmm. him on backfield just trying to stretch him out. He was being treated just like bit. he was being treated like Kevin Gossman or any there of those guys. There you go. So they're trying to stretch that out to where, you know, when you do see him, these teams seeing him, maybe he can sneak, get you sneaky, give you four innings. But, you know, again, don't get all worked up about Trent Thornton's. Trent Thornton ain't going to be the reason why they lose the American mm-hmm. League East or they don't make the playoffs, at least in my mind. It's interesting. Hey, Lou Merloni has uh, Jays and Rays ahead of Yankees and Red Sox. I find that I, – I, I just found that interesting when he was listening to the teams. He yeah. thinks the four teams can make it, but he thinks that the, that the, that the Yankees and Red Sox are the teams that would be most, most vulnerable. Yeah, I agree with him. I, I've always, I, you know, as much as I pick on you about the Rays, they they get it done. They, they match up athletically with any team in baseball. They they really do. They can beat you on both sides of the ball. And the Blue Jays are the, you know, the trendy pick. They and there's are. a there's a lot that goes with that. You know, if we're saying it and we're hearing it, that team is hearing it. How will they handle it? That'll be the question. Well, we've got one more sleep, and that is it is the home opener. Are you ready? It really is time, isn't it? It's like it's time. Yeah, there's a lot of it's time to get the season going. I, I want to see what Vladdy does. I want to see George Springer play 150 games. I want to see how the rotation looks. I just want to see how the new Blue Jay attitude is. I mean, it's theirs to win. 
New right lights. in front of them. New lights, new scoreboard. Lots going on at the ballpark. Entire country pulling for you. Yeah, and uh, and the sellout crowd, which is is which is going to be something. That uh, considering everything this team went went through last year, uh, to come home, have that home opener, get that out of the way, and and yeah, it's going to be it's going to be quite quite the experience tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. So a reminder as to our schedule tomorrow: we will be on from three to five from the Rogers Center. Uh, Fan drive time with Brunt and Nennis will be on 5 to 7 right up to the game. They will be at the Sportsnet Grill. And then, of course, they'll hand it off to Ben Wagner. And uh, Ben will take you through the game. Saturday, Barker and myself will be on Blue Jays Talk. We'll be on Blue Jays Talk every day after every regular season this game this year. Normally on Saturdays, we won't be on. But this Saturday, because it's the first weekend, Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays Talk Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So that is it for myself. That's it for Kevin. One more sleep in the 2022 World Series season. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? World Series season begins. Thanks so much. Have a great day. We'll talk to you from the ballpark tomorrow.